Hello, everyone, and welcome to this topic podcast. I'm Brad. And I'm Scott. And this is not about us. All right, everyone. The topic I want to share with you today is all about fathers. I want to talk about our biological fathers and the other fathers in our lives that are important to us, whether it be for their teachings, their inspiration, their wisdom. And oh, of course, I want to talk about the ultimate father, our father in heaven. Because as always, this is really about him. I want to start bringing some honor to him right now. Bring some honor to our father in heaven. So Scott, would you be so kind as to give us a prayer and invite our Father in as our honored guest? Absolutely. So Father God, Yahweh God, as the Bible says, our Father who art in heaven, we just glorify you. We just thank you and praise you. We just want to give you the highest place today in this podcast, in our hearts, in our lives, And I thank you in advance for your words that are going to speak to us today. As this conversation goes on, as we've said before, after the words amen are said, this prayer will not end. This conversation goes on. We just ask that you are the only part that matters. So speak in in what Brad's got today. I just pray holy blessings on on him that you father god are going to come out in his words today and and honor us with your presence hallelujah thank you and amen hallelujah thank you so much for that scott i i really do appreciate that as you've said before prayer is conversation so we're starting this off with a conversation that's right now here's the thing i have only met my biological father just once in my life as far as my memory goes. Okay. I'm sure when I was young, um, he had actually made some effort to see me, but this is when I'm like a baby, so I don't really have any memories from that time. Um, so you, you haven't told me much about it. You say you're sure when you're young. Did your mom tell you later that he tried, or are you just... I have one memory from when I was... I would have had to have been about three, and I'm just basing that... Before that, he was also trying to come and see me. But in this memory, a car pulls up. We lived in an apartment at the time, and there was a good amount of grass and a playground and then the parking lot. And way off in the parking lot, I remember seeing a car pull in, and my mom go, what's he doing here? And she says, you stay here. And she goes out there, and she talks to this person in the car. And then she comes back, and she has a package. Um that was for me, um, for my birthday. And I opened it up and it was a bunch of little, not Hot Wheel brands, but you know, little Hot Wheel cars. Right. And I, I remember that. And, you know, years later I found out, well, that was my dad. Okay. And so he, you know, he made at least that effort to come see me when I was three. But then after that, I have no memory of ever, of him ever trying. All right. Um, so And my mom has since passed, so, you know, these are not questions I can really ask her anymore. I assume that they came came to some conclusion that 
she would be the single parent and and he would you know kind of fade away i don't really have all the facts but uh that that's what makes me think that he probably made some effort before then i just don't have memories of it okay but on that note i was raised by my mother and i would often wonder what would it have been like to have my father in my life as an active participant you know to be honest i have gone through different sets of emotions when it comes to my biological father There have been times where I was angry at him. There have been times where I was indifferent to him. And there have been times where I was hurt by him. And times where I was just confused. When I was a teenager, I had a few issues that caused some problems in my young life. I had severe migraines that would last for weeks at a time. This is probably due to a brainstem malformation that I have. I was often depressed. I missed a lot of school because of it. And my mom had struggles of her own to overcome. Now, eventually, all of this would get to a boiling point where it was necessary to emancipate myself from my mom. But the court thought it might be a good idea to check with my biological father and see if I could live with him. He had come to court, and I was not sure if I wanted to meet him or not. I mean, he's basically a stranger to me. So this is the first time you've you've really met him at this point. First time I've really met him. He comes out, he, I'm, I'm in, the, in the hall outside the courtroom, and he was already in there, so I hadn't actually seen him up to this point, and there was part of me that was kind of praying, this is before I was really chasing, but there's part of me that's kind of praying, please don't come out here, please don't come out here, because like I said, he's a stranger, I don't, I don't feel comfortable with this guy, um, but then, to my dread, I see the courtroom door open, and he steps out, and And at first it was only him. And he makes a slow kind of uh, shuffled walk over to where I'm sitting on a bench. And he sits down next to me and, you know, I won't won't ever forget what he said. Uh, This is where I was hurt. He said, son, I'm your dad. And I just want you to know that there's no room for you in my family. And then... After that, his wife comes out, his current wife comes out, and he introduces me to her, and she says some things to me, but I can't remember what they said. I was too caught up in what had just been spoken to me. The encounter was short, and it was kind of a shock, but also, I have to admit, there was a lot of relief. I didn't want to go live with this guy, (laughs) you know? That, that, that idea actually, you know, scared me quite a bit. But uh, afterwards, I would have some more, some more depression. I would, I would sit at night and wonder, well, what was wrong with me that I can't be a part of your family? Right. You know? I mean, he didn't even know me, as far as I, as far as I was thinking. Before we get too farther off track here, I, I don't want anything, anyone to think harshly of him. I am his son. And my true father in heaven has asked that I honor him. And because I love my father in heaven, this is what I will do the best that I can. I just want everyone to know I forgave my father a long time ago for what I'm talking about now. And I truly do pray that his life has been blessed and he knows his Savior. My hope would be that even though we did not have much time on earth together, we will have eternity in heaven to make up for lost time. I may have had little interaction with him, but 
I honor him for being my father. And it's with thanksgiving I say thank you to Yahweh God that he is my father. See, God knew my story long before any of this would happen. And some people might wonder, how can I give honor to my biological father? And my answer is simply Psalm 68.5. In his holy dwelling, Elohim is a father of the fatherless. So that's why. Because Yahweh is my true father, and Yahweh would want honor between us. Now, I remember, and this may seem like a simple concept to some people, but I remember when I found out that I have a father. I remember when I found out that Yahweh, the God of the universe, was a father to even little insignificant me. I hope I can share how special that is. I have a father. And more than that, there's even a special connection because I didn't have a father here. So not only is he my father, but he's the father of the fatherless. You know, I see, I see a special blessing there. That's why I can forgive the harmful words that were said. And that's why I will do my best to give honor to my biological father because that's what my true father wants from me. And because I love my true father more than anything, that's what I will do. Now, my biological father may not have been in my life much, but there have been some great men that I kind of think of as fathers, or at least father figures. Shortly after meeting my biological father, I would meet Greg Gall. I've mentioned him briefly in my introduction because he was a very important part of who I am. I consider him a father in the sense that he inspired me and he offered me wisdom. I am forever grateful to Greg and I'm forever grateful to God that he brought him into my life because Greg planted a seed that would truly help me get to where I am now. Greg was everything my young self needed in a role model. He was instrumental in motivating me to do better. He was a father to many, eight kids, but he was also, to many lost souls, a great gift, me included. He was a social worker, and he worked with me so I could learn some life skills, some necessary skills. He would come and let me vent, and he was always patient with me. He never forced God on me, but... Instead, he made me curious about God. Let me ask you something right here. Yeah. You've talked about this person to me before, and I know a little bit about him, but there are some gaps. Um, explain to everyone, when you first, how old were you when you first met him, and why did you first meet him? What happened? How, how did he come into your life? So my mom had some addiction issues that she was working through, and it got to a point where, I was depressed. Um, I was not wanting to even leave my room. I kind of had a, kind of had a defeated attitude. And social workers at this point had come in a couple times. I was missing a lot of school um, because of my anxiety, my depression, and because of my migraines. And because of that, the court, you know, starts getting involved. Why are you missing so much school? And they would send in social workers, and my mom. She was, uh, she had the gift of gab. 
So those social workers would come in and my mom would just start her talks. And before long, you know, she, she would befriend them. Uh, and there really wasn't much to do with me. And so after the encounter with my biological father, the court, the judge basically brought me in and said, what do you need? What can we do for you? And I don't know why, but I said, I want a social worker that's a guy. I think I just wanted that father figure. I had just been hurt. Uh And so I wanted somebody else. And so there was a lawyer. So the other ones were were women that were coming before this? Up to this this? point, they were all pretty much women. All right. And this wasn't like planned in my head. I didn't necessarily think, looking back, I didn't necessarily think just because I was going to get a man to come in there that anything would change. But I had some hope, I guess. Um, So there's a, not a lawyer, I said lawyer, but... There was a um, uh, an aide, um, somebody there that was like, hey, I know a guy. He has his own, you know, he's, he's independent. He has his own business. Um, I'll, give, I'll talk to him, see if he can take another client on his caseload. And Greg comes, and this is where maybe I started feeling a little more hope. Because Greg comes to the house, very first time, never met him before. Um, I'm in the kitchen, sitting at the table. I'm just being my normal, quiet self. Like, I don't know if I'm going to... I don't want to say anything because I don't really think anything's going to change. He walks through the door. My mom immediately starts her routine. Oh, hi, I'm Diana and da-da-da-da-da. And he literally holds a hand up to her and says, hold on. And he looks down at me sitting at the table and he's like, do you just want to go for a ride? And I remember thinking, what? Like, it was confusing. He was telling my mom to stop, and he was giving me attention. This hadn't happened before. This was new. And I said, yes. And so we get in the car, and um, he's like, anywhere you want to go? And I was big into comic books at the time. Still kind of am. But I was like, I want to go to the comic book store. And he's like, okay. And so that actually just kind of became our normal routine. We would start out by going to the comic book store. We would just talk along the way. And then we would do other things if we needed to. Like if, you know, I needed, I was trying to um, learn how to take care of, there was a very good chance I was going to be living on my own. So I, I was trying to learn how to finish school, how to actually have some life skills, how to pay bills and get a job and do all those kind of things. You know, so he would help me with that stuff too. But it was the talks on the way to the comic book store that were that were the best um, right from day one he after that he just would become he just became that role model that I needed so badly and there would be times where I would say Greg I don't know how to deal with this I've got I've got anger and I don't know how to deal with it and then what I say what I mean by saying he doesn't force God onto me he would just literally tell a Jesus story, but it wasn't necessarily Jesus. It was just a story. And then I would ask him, well, you know, who is that? What's that about? And he'd say, well, if you want to know more, read Matthew or read John. And at this point in my life, I was pretty proud of the fact that I was an avid reader and I could actually, I was actually reading that a much higher level than most of my peers. So I actually took that as a challenge. Well, fine, I can read this Bible. I can understand it. 
didn't quite work out that way for a while, but, but, uh, that got me curious. Okay, fine. I'll go read Matthew. I'll go read John. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. And then I would ask him questions here or there. And once again, he never forced it on me. He would just give me enough to understand what was going on. So that's why I say he was a father to me. He, he imparted very important life lessons. He was concerned for my spiritual well-being. He offered me his wisdom. And he made me curious about the world around me. That's why I consider Greg to be a father to me. Now, the tragic thing about this, tragic if you look at it from the sense of the world, but not so tragic if you look at it from the eyes of a, of a Christian, a true Christian, Greg was murdered um, by one of his clients. Now, I honestly believe that in his short period of time, heaven was anxiously awaiting for him to come. I just, it's just a belief I have. Nothing to back it up. But he, was, he had touched so many people. I discovered this when I went to his funeral. To get into his viewing, the line was wrapping around the church like five times. Everybody from local politicians to other social workers to hundreds of clients that he had, that he had touched. Now, I've never met this guy, but when you told me the story about him, I remember that. Uh, so so I, can, I can stand as a witness to the fact that I'd never heard of this person, but his death was major news in this area. And I was wondering, who is this guy that he's affected so many people so profoundly? And then when you told me the story years later, I, I felt honored because I'm like, oh, this is the guy. I, I, was, I was finally getting that information about who he really was, not just the information you hear in a newscast about, you know, uh, birth, uh, date of birth, uh, education, and, you know, the, the things you'd hear you know, just facts about him, but I was getting an intimate look into this guy. Well, and that's part of it, too, was his story was so tragic that the news, for the most part, only wanted to focus on the murder. You know, they wanted to they wanted to victify the uh, other client that killed him, and, uh, I, you know, I at the time, I probably did, too. I was, you know, I was mad. This man had touched me that I finally had a father, and then someone took him away from me. You know, so at the time, yeah, I was probably very angry. Actually, to be fair, I stopped chasing God. That curiosity that I had, it went away for a while um, because of that. And and, that, and that's not something I, I want to admit because that breaks my heart. That breaks my heart that, you know, I needed God more than ever, and I, and I turned my back on him because of that. But... Uh, but it's the truth. I, I cannot deny it. But God being as amazing as he is, I eventually got to a point where I was even chasing harder. And now I have a great and wonderful intimate relationship with God, and I look forward to making it grow even more intimate and more wonderful. But uh, to get back on track, I, uh, Greg, at his funeral, I realized, wow, one man can touch so many lives but when he was with me i didn't know this when he was with me i thought i was the most important person in the world to him 
And I think that's why he was able to touch so many people. One of his, uh, I, I believe it was a niece, was telling a story about how she asked Greg when he had, he had eight kids. And she asked him, which one is your favorite? You know, come on. Every father has a <laughs> right. has a favorite, you know, and Greg, and 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 this is just one of those, you know, kind of aw comments and whatnot. But Greg actually lived this. He actually believed this. He said, "Whichever child I'm looking at at that moment is my favorite." You know, that's an aw kind of thing. But to really understand Greg. He believed that. He lived it. It wasn't just something he, he said to get a reaction. There were so many clients that uh, got up and talked about, about you know, how he shaped their life. He turned them around. Many of them um, were you know, broken youth, criminals, and he got them to turn around. Some of them were gang members that he got to turn around. Um, there was prisoners so many prisoners. Greg would go volunteer at the prison, and uh, he would uh, do he'd do a one man music man, and 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 entertain them and and do whatever he could. I mean, I've never, I can't, I don't even know how he would have enough time to do all the things that people said he did. You know, he had a a job that basically somebody needed him. He had to go. He was on call a lot of the time. He had eight children. They never felt neglected. I know for a fact that he was in uh, like judo with some of them and other sporting events with other ones. And, you know, and then here he is volunteering at the prisons. Anyway, I, uh, I have my chance to, to I, I don't go up and speak. I'm, I'm at this point in my life, I'm way too scared for something like that. But I kind of regret that I didn't. So let my testimony be now, <laughs> you know. But uh, I go up to meet his wife. You know, you do the, the, the long line, and you, you, do the, you see the body, and unfortunately his was closed casket because um, he was actually uh, shot in the face. So, of course, that was a closed casket, but I get up to meet the family, and, and then I get to his wife. And you can tell she's... She's brokenhearted, but there's also, she's also seems to be, I mean, she's got tears in her eyes, but she also seems to be at peace, which is kind of a weird thing for someone who doesn't understand at the time. But uh, I talked to her, and she asks, I, I said I was a client, and she, she asks, which one was I? And I said, my name. And then uh, I said, um, you know, we usually went to the comic book store. And she, her eyes just light up. And she goes, you're the comic book store? And I said, yeah. And she goes, oh, thank you, thank you. Greg considered you to be his breath of fresh air. And at the time, I didn't really, I mean, that, that was, oh, wow, cool. But it would be over a decade later that you, Scott, made me see a connection there that I didn't, had never seen before. I thought Greg was an awesome gift to me, and I didn't see that I was also a gift to him. I was a gift of fresh air. Many of his clients were very troubled individuals. I was troubled, but not in a criminal way. And 
he literally thought our time together was a breath of fresh air. I've heard this story several times. Now you're still going to make me cry. (laughs) And it, it makes me cry because I will always have a special place in my heart for Greg, but I never, ever, ever, ever even thought that he would that that I would be doing something for him too. He did so much for me. So it the human man I admired the most, I was able to give some honor to. I I thank God for my experiences with Greg. And and he will always have a special place in my heart. You know, I want to tell you there's a lot of people when I get to heaven that I want to reunify with. I want to uh want to They've gone on. I want to meet them again. This is someone I feel like I've, you know, I've never met. I still want to track him down. I still want to meet this guy. And not to say that you're not great, Scott, but I think you would be better for it too. I think I, there's a a song from Matthew West, and, and I, I'm going to probably butcher the lyric, but basically he says, you know, I get to heaven and I pull up a chair and I can't wait to hear all their stories, you know. Their stories right. are going to blow me away, you know. And it's just like I only knew him for a short period of time and I only know a little bit about him, his younger days because of what was said at the funeral. And uh, and, and, and let, me, uh, let me paint a picture, like a, 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 a painting of what Greg looked like and... and Sometimes what I what I kind of thought when I was meeting with him, uh, if you've ever seen the the TV show Three's Company, think of Jack or John Ritter, Jack in the show. Right. And, uh, you know, so here I am with Greg and he looks a lot like John Ritter uh, from Three's Company, a younger John Ritter. And there would be times where I'm like, why is he not tripping? <laughs> why, why is he not being clumsy? Why is he not... Um, so picture that, but then also picture this very spiritual, very, very godly man and someone who's actually living a godly life and, and actually showing that to the world. I've heard that said before, you know, people will know you're a Christian because they'll be able to see Christ in you. I, in my whole life, I can't say I've really ever seen that much but i've seen it with greg but uh that's that's one of the major fathers in my life but there's a few others i want to give some honor to um the next one is scott uh you you know you literally were an answer to my prayer i asked god for that accountability partner i asked for uh someone who was chasing after a relationship with god someone who would help me do the same. And so, you know, our relationship has been kind of an interesting one too. I mean, you know, we started out just as coworkers. And I remember there was a, another coworker that we had that you were also friends with. And I remember there'd be times where you guys would be talking about having game days over the weekend or whatnot. And there was a little part of me inside that was screaming, I want to go to a game day too. <laughs> You know, invite me. I want to go. And I never said anything. But then finally, after, I don't know, a couple months, um, you gave me the invite. And I was like, trying to be cool. Like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds like fun. Sure. 
inside. I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, we started with the game days. We started, um, you know, kind of slow at first getting into topics of God and all of that. But, uh, when we did start getting into them, you, you, you confused me. You know, you, you say you're a Christian, but then you say things that I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense because I'm thinking of a Christian in the sense of a go sit in the pew, listen to the pastor, and then go do, go do the whatever else you do with your life until the next Sunday service. But here you are actually chasing and studying and, and you know, trying to have a more intimate relationship with God. So, once again, you started that curiosity in me. And, you know, it really started, I mentioned it in one of the podcasts, but Scott is uh, also a playwright. And our Sabbaths actually started more as a practicing a play. That's right. And we would meet uh, weekly. We would, uh, we would practice the play. And we'd talk a little here or there. Now, we never actually performed this play, but we put enough practice in that I think we would have been great at it if we had. But looking back, I don't think the play was actually what God wanted from us anyway. I think God was just wanting us to find that connection, and the play happened to be a good catalyst, happened to be a good way to do that. And then after a while, the play didn't even come up. We just started doing the Bible studies and and if you're listening to the Genesis study, you know, some of the stuff that Scott's doing there, that's some of the early stuff we did. And then you introduced me to some other resources like Michael Rood, and I realized everything I thought I knew was completely wrong, and thank you for that. Well, you're welcome. I, I got to tell you, um, I read a book a while back about the Founding Fathers, and it was called The Founding Brothers. Because it said that uh, they never saw themselves as fathers. They saw themselves as brothers in arms. And uh, I thank you for, for what you've just said. But I, to me, I, I see us as brothers. True. I, I get what you're saying. Don't want to <laughs> deny what you're saying. But yeah, to me, I, I see you as a brother. It's kind of interesting that I thought of you as a father figure. But now I actually think of you more as a brother. But, Which is a good thing. Yeah. You're getting uh, wise like me. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, God. And so humble. <laughs> uh, but for, I think we've mentioned this too, but um, you know, our relationship started out as coworkers, started mm-hmm. out as friends, started out as Bible study friends, and then it turned into just good friends and best friends. And then I married your niece. So now you're my uncle, which yeah, you're my best friend, uncle, my buff uncle. <laughs> Sorry, that never gets old. <laughs> uh, so it's just a, it's just interesting how how God brings people into our lives. He brings the right people in if we. But the thing is, I had to ask for it. I think uh, God wants to help us find truth. Wants us wants us to. Uh, to be blessed, wants us to find him. But just like Greg, not forcing God on me, God's not going to force himself. He really wants you to want it. 
the next father figure I want to talk about and give a little honor to is is my father-in-law. When I met my wife, I have to admit I was I was a little nervous to meet her mom and dad. In my mind, I wasn't necessarily a a great catch for her. I uh I'm actually quite a bit older than her. And I've had I've had a difficult life. I've had some I've had some trauma in my life. And even though I've moved past it and I've forgiven people and I'm relationship chasing, sometimes I still doubt myself a little bit. The first time that I met Kurt, my father-in-law, as a person who was in a relationship with his daughter or wanting to be, uh, I was pretty nervous. I had technically already met him once before for dinner, but uh, we, you know, we didn't have much interaction. I spent most of that dinner talking with Scott. So here I was a little nervous, and the thing that amazes me about him is that since day one, anytime that he looks at me, his whole face lights up. Since day one, he looked at me as if I have been his son, his own flesh and blood. And so from somebody who didn't have that growing up, that is so special to me. And then I made a connection. That's the same look that he gives to all the members of his family. He just completely lights up. So that's how I know that in his heart, he really is looking at me as if I'm just his own flesh and blood. So Kurt, I want to give you a little honor, and I want to thank you for that. I want to thank you for being a father to me, even though you didn't have to be. Thank you for building a deck with me. Thank you for helping me with my home projects. Thank you for supporting me and my ideas this, like this podcast. Thank you for supporting my relationship with Kate. I will be forever and eternally grateful for how you have been a blessing to my life. I pray that I'll be able to be a blessing to you as well. Kurt has been an awesome example of a hardworking man, a man who really provides for his family. It's the kind of role model that you really do want to follow. All right, Scott, I think it's time we give some honor to God the Father, to Yahweh, our eternal heavenly Father. I found some uh, some scripture verses that kind of celebrate him as the Father, and I want to share some of those with you right now. Go for it. Isaiah 64, 8. But now... Yahweh, you are our father. We are the clay, and you are our maker. Yea, we all are your handiwork. Shows him Hallelujah. creating us. Proverbs 3, 11 and 12. My son, do not reject the reasoning of Yahweh, 
and do not hate his corrections. For whom Yahweh loves, he corrects, even as a father corrects the son with whom he is pleased. You know, I often ask God to be my discipliner, my corrector, because something I had to learn in life was that when I think I failed, I can still learn something. Um, But it's got to come from God. 2 Corinthians 6, 18. And I will be a father to you, and you will be sons and daughters to me, says Yahweh Almighty. You know, um, I've talked about it before, uh, just the fact that God is seen through his creation, and he has given us practical physical examples in this physical world that all are intended to reveal spiritual truths. And what God has set up in the physical world reveals him. And as you shared with your story, Brad, I can't help but feel sorry for and pity the people who their physical picture of what a father is in no way represents God. And I've heard so many stories about how, from people how it's so difficult to see God as a father because of the fathers they had. Uh, people who have been abused verbally, physically, sexually. People who have been neglected. People who have just been flat out hated by their fathers. The physical example that God has set up doesn't work if we're screwing it up. So God, I thank you. I thank you for what Brad has shared today. I, 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 I thank you for, true, for being a true father, for being love and, and guidance and wisdom and compassion and strength and courage and being what a father should be. But my prayer and my hope goes out to all of those people who on Father's Day hate that day and they hate what it stands for. And I truly pray and lift those people up to you who feel like they want to hate you because they think if this is what a father is, then I don't want anything to do with you, Father God. I read something that made me kind of sad one time. Um, I don't know if this is true of every Jew ever, but apparently quite a few Jews, even though it's written all over Scripture that God is our Father, think of that as a Christian thing. And so they have it, they've changed how they see God and don't think of him as a father anymore because that's just a Christian thing. And that, that really broke my heart. And there's one uh, Jewish man that, that uh, uh, saw this. And he's like, but father is written all over our Torah. To him, it was probably probably even greater so than when I discovered that I had a father in heaven. 
but he celebrated, he, he, he danced, but he then tried just to share that with others. And, you know, they literally worried that he's going to become a Christian. You know, I, I pray that, that uh, our Jewish friends and family and that they will, I often pray that they will see the true Messiah, but also I do pray that they will see God as a father because it's what he is. I think we've had a pretty good conversation. Um, I have to admit, thinking about some of these things uh, was kind of emotional for me, um, but that's, that's, that's good. It is. I've appreciated uh, just the fact that you are emotional about it and how much you care about this. I figure um, this podcast, I'll, I'll end a little differently. Um, we briefly mentioned it in a previous podcast that the Gospels um, or much of the New Testament might have actually been written in Hebrew. There are Hebrew uh, transcripts of, out, of them out there. Um, I mentioned that they had found uh, a Hebrew Matthew. And in that, there was, of course, what we, what many of us know as the Lord's Prayer. Um, to many, many people around the world, it's not known as the Lord's Prayer. It's known as Our Father, um, because that's how it starts. It's Our Father, the prayer of Our Father. So I thought I would share a new interpretation of the Our Father prayer um, based on the Hebrew Matthew. Uh, with you before we close today. Our Father in heaven, may your name be sanctified. May your kingdom be blessed. Your will shall be done in heaven and on the earth. Give us our bread continually. Forgive us the debt of our sins as we forgive the debt of those who sinned against us. Do not bring us into the hands of a test and protect us from all evil. Amen. Amen. And with that, this has been Brad. And this has been Scott. And this has been Not About Us.